Welcome to Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm Lindsay, a brand strategist, copywriter, and pivot mentor with nearly two decades of experience. I've seen it all in both the corporate world and in entrepreneurship, and I'm here to spark conversation about the things that matter most. Reprogramming is a podcast to help you shift perspective, consider new viewpoints, and challenge your old belief systems around business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, parenting, empowerment, and more. If you are ready to reprogram your life for more success, fulfillment, and joy, or if you're ready to blow up the status quo, you are in the right place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reprogramming. I'm your host, Lindsay Hyatt, and I'm so happy that you're here. You need today's episode. Many of us are amazing at generating the ideas, getting pumped about the results, but there's a big piece missing in the middle that can sometimes be a struggle, even if you're the world's most motivated and organized person. It's implementation. If you've ever joined a program or took a course, even if something you're like really excited about, you'll know that sometimes as you go, it can be hard to stay on track and finish strong. Or maybe you started an ambitious DIY home project and six months later, yep, there it is. I can relate to this way too much. Um, On the other side of the coin, we've become a productivity obsessed society and we tend to measure our worth and success by how much we accomplish. So where is the middle ground? Today's guest will share tips on how to reprogram our ideas around productivity, plus how to balance it all and still get stuff done. So Louise Miller is a productivity mentor, founder of Make It Happen Club, and the host of the Unfrazzle podcast. She partners with coaches, consultants, and community builders who have a big, exciting vision, helping them to land their ideas in reality, reach more people, and make a bigger impact, whilst taking care of everything that they're juggling day to day and being kind to themselves along the way. Her experience of work-related stress and anxiety led her to develop a slower, more mindful approach to productivity, which she uses to help her clients get the important things done. Louise, welcome to Reprogramming. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Well, as we chatted about before, we have been, Louise and I were supposed to talk about three different times. So I'm so glad that we're doing it today. I've been really excited to talk to you about this because this is an issue. I shouldn't call it an issue. This is something that everybody deals with is the idea of being productive, the pressure we put on ourselves. And also sometimes it just feels like we get stuck and we can't get the stuff done. So I know this will serve so many people. Yeah. I can't wait to dive in. It is, you're right. It's something we all have to contend with and people carry a lot of heaviness around in this um, area. So yeah, I'm excited to dive in. That's so, so, so true. So Let's just get started by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you became a productivity mentor and everything that you do today. Okay, so I'm Louise. I'm from a village in Leicestershire, which is right slap bang in the middle of England. Um, And I've been doing this um, self-employed caper since 2016, 2015, 2016. And how I got here, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try and do the short version. So, you know, the saying, if you need something doing, give it to a busy person. Yes. Well, that was me. <laughs> that was me for about 15 years in every single job that I had. And it wasn't until 2015 that something began to unravel, but everything began to unravel. And there's a really mo- um, clear moment that stands out in my mind. So crystal clear. Basically, I was sitting in my office one day, beautiful view of a brick wall, eyes 
really bloodshot from the horrible fluorescent lights, forgetting to blink. I think lots of people who've been in that kind of office environment will relate, feeling absolutely exhausted. And I realized I needed a drink. So I stood up with my empty glass to walk to the kitchen to grab a glass of water. And as I was on my way, it was like literally 15 paces. I had this thought that popped into my head, which was, Louise, why are you always rushing to get everything done? And in that nanosecond, I realized the futility of what I had been doing, which was running around like a mad thing, you know, pushing, rushing, striving, fighting to keep up. And I'm not sure what I thought was going to happen, whether I thought that some person, my manager, whoever, was going to lean over to me and say, well done, Louise, you've done everything. You can go rest now. <laughs> and so, I mean, really, I'm relating hard to this. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, you know, I realized in that moment, there never would be an end point. Mm -hmm. So there's never a point at which everything is done and you can sail off into the sunset with your pina colada. Just doesn't happen. So in that moment, I realized I had a choice. I needed, I needed to either stay on that hamster wheel where I was appreciated and rewarded and praised, but I was also exhausted and diagnosed with work-related stress and anxiety, or I needed to find a way to get off. And that was kind of the start of the journey into what I'm doing right now. But of course, it took me a while because, of course, I didn't quit my job straight away. We have to learn the same thing a few times before we actually <laughs> take the action. Yes. <laughs> but to, yeah, to cut a long story short, um, basically, on a cold December morning right in the north of England over here, beautiful kind of um, secluded cottage on a beach, just absolutely gorgeous. I was on my little mini moon just after we'd got married. And I was asking myself, how do I slow down? Because I finally had some peace and quiet. So I picked up my phone. How do I slow down? And this whole new world was completely unfolded before me, like the world of slow living and everything changed. And that was kind of, for me, the pivotal moment where I realized it didn't have to be that way. There was another way of operating in the world. And so about three months later on from that, that's when I handed in my notice started to think about what I was going to do instead, um, started my business, started out as a VA, actually, always knowing that wasn't really the thing that I wanted to be doing. It was just a kind of stepping stone. And what I noticed during that time working with all of those clients was that the things that they were struggling with were the things that came really naturally to me. And so, you know, I started to explore different ways of helping people to get more organized, to be more productive. I designed a few courses, um, had a mentoring program to teach productivity and all of that kind of evolve, evolved into realizing that I'm actually most valuable to my clients when I'm in the trenches with them, helping them figure out what needs to be done, what's most important, finding ways to get those things done in real time. And so that's kind of what I do now. And that's what I've been supporting people with one-to-one -one, um, for about four four and a half years now I've been doing it in that way and set up make it happen club just over three three years ago now so yeah that's kind of condensed version but that's how I got here I love it I have a couple questions uh first of all just a comment on the moment when you had that realization in such an ordinary moment of like I'm gonna stand up and get a drink because it's been too long and that's the moment it hit you like I can't keep doing this yeah it's and it's so visceral it yeah and I don't know whether it was partly because it was there was a physical thing going on there with the need for <laughs> water you know, water a really basic fundamental <laughs> physical <laughs> human need um but it's such a visceral moment I can picture it so crystal clear yeah I've had these moments myself when I'm driving someplace because 
I've been called an aggressive driver and I'm always like, well, I have to get somewhere. I have to be to this appointment. I have to get to work. But then I've had moments where I'm like, why am I rushing? Like for what? There's no, I'm fine. Like it's, I'm going to the grocery store, you know, like, but we get into these habits where we are not aware and we're just kind of going through the motions. So that really struck me. My other thing that I think is really interesting is that when you were on your mini moon and it sounds so dreamy the way you described it, it's that moment where you finally had a minute to like be quiet and all of a sudden, all of these kind of answers flowed right into you. So I think that that's, uh, that's an interesting way that it all played out. Um, when you were, when you started to learn about this idea of slow living, can you tell us more a little bit about like what that looks like? What does that mean? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So the concept of slow living has been around for a while now, but I had literally no idea that it was a thing. It's basically slow meaning intentional. Mm. So it's kind of breaking out of the frantic rushing around that we are programmed to do and realizing there's a different way and you don't have to buy into that. And it is quite countercultural. Mm hmm. Um, and people might think you're a bit weird, but you know, the example, I don't have kids, so I can't relate to this particularly, but I know it's a big part of it is around um, the idea of not cramming your kids' diaries full of loads of activities that mean you spend every moment of your day driving people here, there and everywhere. And there's never any space to just be. So that's a big part of it. There's kind of slow cooking, which is around taking your time, eating proper food, not being in such a rush to nourish yourself. There's slow travel, which is around visiting a place and actually being there and experiencing it rather than ticking all the touristy things off the list. It's just this really beautiful way of experiencing life that mm. really spoke to me in that moment. It sounds amazing. And I know, I know my listeners are like, oh yeah, I want some of that. Like <laughs> it sounds like a vacation, just, just you talking about it. And I know we're going to get more into that later. So I just wanted to ask about that. Um, so once you started to do this work on your own and you started to see places where you could help others with, with this idea of things that you're really good at and you kind of got into like productivity mentorship. What, it, what does that look like? It sounds like, again, like something many of us could benefit from. So how did you learn about that and what types of things do you help your clients with? Yeah. So productivity mentor is a bit of a shorthand because it helps people to understand what I do, but it's not a phrase that I love. And believe me, there have been, no, no, I, I call myself that. So it's not, that's not on you. I use it as a way of helping people to understand. And then I get to explain it in a bit more detail. Cause I think when people hear productivity mental, they assume it's about teaching people time management and, yes. you know, all of that stuff. And it kind of isn't in the way that I do it. There are people out there who do that, but what I do with my clients is to actually help them get their ideas out into the world so I did used to teach productivity and I've still got some courses that I sometimes share if I feel people need them. But for me, what I find is if I do that, go and teach a thing and then come out, people will go back to their default patterns because all this stuff is so deeply ingrained. I prefer, and I know that I work best when I'm actually holding my client's hand and I'm with them real time. So for me, it's about working closely with people to help them see everything that's on their plate, not just in their work, but in their life so that they're able to consider their capacity. So they're thinking not just about the time they have available, but the energy they have available as well. So that they're regularly looking at their vision, looking at their goals, 
And then with all of that in mind, making really conscious, intentional choices about what they're going to prioritize so that when they sit down at the start of every day, they're feeling really focused and they're feeling on it. Um, and, you know, inevitably we have conversations as I'm working with people about how they're managing their time and I'm suggesting techniques and things that will help them to stay focused. But again, all of that is so specific to the individual. And I think that's part of what's so damaging about the productivity industry, if there, if you can call it that, is that there's so many quick fixes that claim that if you if you just do this, if you just get up at five in the morning, if you just put everything in your calendar, if you just time block, all of your problems will be solved. And I know it doesn't work like that. And it's not so simple. And that kind of blinkered advice actually leads to people feeling a lot of shame and feeling that there's something wrong with them. So yeah, yeah. it's not addressing the root problem, which is underneath all of that stuff. So I'm curious, I know that like, there are so many people who would be like, yeah, I, I need to do that. I want to do that. So they might sign up to work with you or someone who, who does what you do. And what are some of the hangups or like programming? Because it can be great to say, I'm going to do it a different way. But then, like you said, we're all so conditioned to, it's hard to break. Some, most of these habits are like from childhood and, and onwards. So do you, do people struggle with that when you're going through it with them? 100% they do. Yeah. And I think a few, I can give you a few examples of what's going on for people. I think a big one, particularly with business owners who are really creative and those are my people, the people with all the ideas and the big vision, those are people I love to work with. So they've got all these projects and things that they want to do and they want to do all of it right now, immediately. And the thought of having to choose is actually quite painful sometimes for those people. And I had a client I was working with, um, I think it was towards the end of last year, and we were talking through everything that she wanted to get done. She's a real ideas generator. And we were looking at her diary and talking about what she wanted to get done. And I said to her, so what, what have you got going on next week? And the look on her face, she was absolutely astonished. She said to me, but next week doesn't exist, Louise. And obviously <laughs> she was joking. <laughs> but in her head, it was like, this all has to happen right now. By Friday, <laughs> all the world is going to end. It genuinely oh. hadn't occurred to her that we could, you know, be a little bit more gentle about things and try and do some, you know, move some things into the following week. So there's that whole, I want to do it all now. And then trying to do it all now and actually not finishing any of it because you're just pinging around all over the place. So that's a big one. Another huge one, which I see all the time, is people feeling like they should be able to get things done more quickly and wanting to speed up and in fact you know I got so angry I was on a um, group call last week listening to somebody say it should only take you what did he say something like it should only take you about 45 minutes to write an email to your list and if it takes you any longer than that you're doing it wrong oh god there was steam coming out of my ears I just thought no that might be how long it takes you but that's your process and you know no <laughs> So, and it's, you know, when you're just constantly in, in this battle with time, battle against time, feeling like you need to speed up the whole time, mm -hmm. you can't think straight. It actually slows you down. So people don't always like to hear what I say to them at that point, because <laughs> being told, hang on, just take a step back and take a breath, isn't necessarily what people want to hear, but it's, it's where the magic is, you know, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I talk about a thing called the progress cycle. Mm -hmm. um, I've got talks about this and it comes up when I'm working with clients as well, which is that, so the cycle starts at pause. 
you can't do anything until you've had a pause just to kind of gather yourself and settle your nervous system and all of that good stuff. And then when you've taken the pause, you get to reflect, then you get to make a choice, then you can take action, then you can complete. And you just keep going round and round and round like that. But when you're trying to speed up the whole time and you're in this kind of, I call it a frantic and frazzled overwhelm loop, you can get stuck in the act bit, Mm. which means busy work quite often, procrastination, pinging around all over the place, not actually doing anything meaningful, but feeling like you are. And then you never make it round to the complete. And it is so much more stressful than it needs to be. And I know your word for this year, Lindsay, is ease. Yes. If we can find a way to move around that cycle, there's so much more ease in that. I would love if you could share, because first of all, for me, I would like that. Uh, if you could share that resource with the audience, I would love to put that in the show notes. As soon as you said that, the first thing I thought of was my daughter, who's seven. She is a perfectionist, <laughs> poor thing. Um, and she's been getting really stressed out about her homework. She's in second grade. Okay. So, you know, we're doing the math and I hate the math. I hate the math, but she's in this cycle and she is, she, she has a really hard time stepping back and taking that pause. And I think, God, you know, babies are born like this. Now they, they see the world. We are as a society program to just be in the action phase. And it's so uncomfortable to stop and take that moment. But that's what we all have to retrain ourselves on doing. So if you have a place where you can share that with us, I would like to use it myself. Uh, what a brilliant idea. Yeah, I will 100%. There's a gorgeous kind of graphic. And when I share it with people, quite often they print it off and stick it somewhere where they can yes. be looking at it. So that they're oh, it's going on our mind. fridge. Yeah, it is <laughs> going to become part of our household. So thank you for that. Uh, well, there's another analogy that I can share around that that you might want to share with her that might be helpful. So imagine that you're in a forest, you're walking in a forest and you're starting to feel like you're a bit lost. And I think as business owners, we feel like that sometimes. We want to journey through the forest. It's dark. There's nice bits of dappled sunshine, but there's also bits of dark, dank muddiness that can make us start to feel a bit lost. And then you start to feel like you might be walking around in circles, starting to get dark. You've got your eyes on your feet, trying not to trip over tree roots, and you're getting exhausted. Mm. And you start to panic. Then you look up and you see a tree house high up in the trees. And at that point, you get to make a choice. Do you want to carry on walking, even though you feel like you're walking around in circles? Or do you want to go up there and sit in the tree house for a minute? And it looks really cozy and inviting up there. There's lots of nice twinkly lights. So you make the right choice and you climb up to the tree house, rest on a lovely comfy cushion. You get your breath back, take in the view. And the beautiful thing when you're up there is you can look back and go, oh, how far have I come? Oh, actually, I've come further than I thought. Mm. Then you can look to where you're going, remind yourself of that destination and go, ah, I can see I'm closer than I thought. I can see where I need to go. You can look down and start to plan out your route. And you can also see there are other tree houses along the way. Wow. So once you've, you know, rested, taken the time that you need, you can climb back down and walk through that forest trusting that you're going in the right direction and you know what was the most productive thing that that person did walking through the forest was it the walking around in circles going must keep going and find my way through or was it taking the time in the treehouse and most people will do the former and they'll keep their heads down and they'll just keep going thinking that that is what makes them productive but actually the productivity happens before they take action 
it happens when they take that time to connect back in get really clear on their priorities and then they can carry on with renewed focus so hope that helps as well I mean we could end the show here that was so good <laughs> that was beautiful and it was like a guided meditation thank you Louise. oh you're welcome you're very welcome that's the thing we I think a lot of people are aware that like I know I need to stop and take that moment of rest because you really gather yourself your your brain can take a minute your body can take a minute and you have this beautiful view when you can to take you know take the time and breathe and it's it's hard to do and it's really a practice is what I am getting from you too um one other thing I want to go back to is the idea of time and somebody like me who is turning 40 this year is uh revisiting the idea of time because well obviously just you kind of reflect on that as you get older anyways but I will turn 40 in July and I'm already doing that thing that we all do where it's like okay what can I accomplish in six months before I turn 40 and you start to get into this mindset of like if I don't do it now there is no next week. There is no weekend. Like I gotta do this now. And like, how do you how do you help people out of that that mm. mindset? Such a good question. It is really hard. I think it's a practice again, and it really comes down to just doing all you can to be in a, a mindset of abundance and get out of that kind of lack and scarcity mode that I think our society keeps a lot of us in because that's what keeps the economy running that's what keeps yeah. capitalism and the patriarchy yeah. <laughs> <No>. yes <laughs> so this is that's why it's not easy and I, I think it's important that people understand that because it's not that there's something wrong with you it's just that all of the forces are working against us in trying to take back that control so I think a very big thing for me that I do with all of my clients, it's around celebrating and acknowledging how far you've come and what you have done so that you are, you know, doing a ta-da list as much as you're doing a to-do list so that you can kind of acknowledge yourself for what you've done. And because I think a lot of that feeling like I'm running out of time is because we forget how far we've come and we forget to enjoy where we are right now. And we're in such a rush to get somewhere that we don't enjoy where we are right now. And I think there's no simple answer in terms of how do you help people to, you know, get there, but it is a practice. And I think it all begins with awareness. Mm -hmm. And the way that I approach productivity is very similar to the way that I approach mindfulness. I think the two things can be very interconnected because in order to be productive, you need to be present and mm -hmm. mindful about what you're doing. And I think if we can cult cultivate a mindfulness practice that allows us to get grounded, stay present, enjoy where we are now, over time, I think that helps. Yeah, agree, agree. This is a mindfulness episode. I got to redo the whole intro. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> this is so, this is so true. It's, it's about mindfulness and that presence. Um, so before we go into a little bit more about how you work with your clients to go through all that, you mentioned that you're kind of a natural at this. Did, is, are all of these pieces of wisdom, are these things that you kind of already always held true and uncovered during your journey or are these things you've learned along the way? So it is something that came, has always come very naturally to me. I've always been organized. I've always been efficient. I'm a kind of type A, high achieving 
human. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love the detail. I've always enjoyed finding ways to make things feel more easeful, more efficient, much to my husband's disgust when I'm telling him <laughs> he's doing the washing, the washing up in completely the wrong way. If I just did it like this, it would be so much quicker. But um, the fact that it comes so naturally to me was actually a bit of a problem when I started figuring out how I was going to shape my business because first of all those skills of being organized and helping people with all of that felt a bit boring to me Mm. I kind of wanted to be the creative person and I have got a creative background my degree art was part of my degree I played three musical instruments when I was growing up you know I I do have a creative side and I always thought that's what I should be doing and I tried to do that and it didn't work because actually yes I can do that but it's not really at the core of who I am so, yeah, I was fighting against myself for a while there because I wanted to be the creative person with all the ideas and all the charisma. But I soon realized that's not me, that the fun in my work would actually come from working with those people. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. There's so many. Oh, I don't, I'm just trying to think which way to go, because I think the reason that I do what I do is because I was on a course trying to work out what am I going to make my business into. Feeling a bit fed up that my skills were boring and that was going to mean a boring business. And then I was sat in front of creative ideas, people whose eyes were lighting up when I was telling them what I could do. And that was when I was like, Oh, (laughs) there it is. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I think that's the case for so many people, the things that come naturally and easily to us, we don't value. Oh yeah. And we kind of assume that everybody must be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this kind of realization that it is quite an unusual thing in this small business owner world so many people are the creative types brilliant mm. at starting things not so brilliant at finishing I guess you have to be to be a small business owner to be an entrepreneur you need the ideas you need the vision you need that spark so realizing that I could bring my more left brain detailed organizing thing to that party was a bit of a big moment Yeah. So being a type A person just naturally and naturally being gifted at some of these things like organization and and being efficient, did you have any trouble on the presence and mindfulness piece? Because typically type A people are like, here's my to-do list. I have to get this done. Like, so did you, what did that also come naturally or was that kind of a newer thing to explore? Yeah, no, that 100% did not come naturally. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think so, but I had to ask. I'm glad you did. Because no, I mean, it took the, the the stress and anxiety and the diagnosis from my doctor signing me off work sick. The fact that, you know, I don't think I've talked about this before, actually, but when Tom and I got married, I was in an absolute mess of anxiety through the whole of that. Yeah. And it was that mini moon moment when we were in that beautiful cottage. I had the flu. I felt absolutely rotten. And it's that typical thing of we have to hit rock bottom before we realize actually something's got to change and we've got that the impetus to do something about it which breaks my heart and that's partly why I do what I do and talk about things in the way that I do because I don't want other people to wait until it gets that bad but discovering slow living at that point was what changed it all for me and it was just like a light bulb going on um you know I've I don't meditate as often I was as I would like but I do practice yoga very often daily not at the moment because I've injured myself but usually that's a daily practice for me um And just realizing that the rat race is not something that you have to opt into. I can remember we were walking around a really nice neighborhood here and I was looking at the beautiful, huge houses that one day 
back in the not too distant past I'd have been aspiring to and I just looked at Tom and said I don't want that Mm. not if it means the pressure and the stress of having to earn a certain level of income in order to maintain that lifestyle and again these were just real light bulb moments for me of I do not want to play keeping up with the Joneses I don't want to opt into that rat race that everybody just seems to be automatically programmed to be you know striving for I don't I don't want that thanks we we are we are completely programmed even just from here's the path you take you go to school you get good grades you go to college that even that path that then leads you to walking down the street and picking out your little mansion that you have to earn and work 60 80 hours a week to get like why uh more people are waking up to this but it's it's still like hard to kind of even let go of those ideas that we feel like well wait isn't that what I want but not all, I mean, some people, yeah, maybe that is really the thing for them, but most of us, like, we don't need all that. And there's not enough space to have that awareness. Yeah. And I think getting really clear on your own values is a good starting point for all of that. So you can work out, okay, am I just going along with this? Because that's what I think I'm supposed to do. Or is this actually important to me? And if it is important to you, great. You know, there's no shame in that if that is what you want, but just making sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Right. And that again ties back into productivity because then you know that what you're doing is moving you in the direction you want to go to. And then you'll be more to motivated to take the action and all of that good stuff. Absolutely. And and what you said is that sometimes, many times, it takes for us to hit some kind of bottom or some kind of uh, uh, crisis moment where it's like, wait a second, like, what have I been doing here? It's almost like an awakening. And you hope you don't have to get to that point. But I do think that that can be the impetus for, for so many of us to, to say like, I think I'm okay without all of that. Like maybe what do I really value? Uh, I just recently had this moment where the big threat for me was having to return to corporate life. And I had this moment where I thought I'm going to have to go back to corporate. And that was a reminder to me, like, I'll do anything to not go back to that lifestyle. Like I am fine in my house. I'm fine. You know, all those things that I got so far away from, I needed that moment to bring me back down to my own values. So I'm glad. I I bet that that moment then informed the action that you were taking and how productively able to be in taking those actions. It felt like relief. Yeah. It felt like relief from this pressure that I was putting on myself. And why was I putting it? on myself I guess because I thought that that's what it was supposed to look like which sounds so dumb but I mean I don't know I I, it is it's like the American dream the the British dream I don't know but of just like you're owning this house and you have this car and it's all this status stuff and it's just it comes very naturally it's it's weird how we all tend to do that Mm. There's a brilliant quote that I am about to butcher. Let me see what comes out of my mouth as I attempt to share it. You don't do exact exact quote or data here, so go for it. It's something about, you know, you are sitting in the car for an hour to commute somewhere, to spend all day in an office, to come back, to go to a house, to sleep in so that you can go out again, to, to earn the money, to be in the house that you're never in. You know, that kind of, you're not actually enjoying what you're creating for yourself necessarily and I guess you know if you've got a family and things and working to that extent means you're not spending time with them it's a it's a whole thing isn't it live to work or work to live 
Right? There you go. That's a much more succinct way. <laughs> no, yours, yours paints a much more realistic picture of what so many people are doing. So, yeah. all right. So I, I want to get over to, you've mentioned that you believe there are three eyes that all business owners need in order to succeed. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So I've kind of touched on it a tiny bit, but yes. Yeah, so I think there are three eyes of that any successful business needed business owner needs. And the first one is inspiration. So that is what my clients have absolutely coming out of their ears. That's the ideas, the vision, all of that good stuff that keeps the spark and keeps you motivated um, and excited about your, about what you're doing. So that for most people in my world, isn't a problem. Then you've got information. So that's where you go out and learn the things you need to know to do what you need to do and figuring out the how of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, for a lot of people, that's not a problem. And I think that is something that most people are happy to go and invest in to go let's go and get the information that we need which isn't to say that's not without its risks because I think a lot of people can also get stuck there in I don't know enough land and get stuck in learning mode which prevents them from moving forward um but generally speaking the inspiration and the information piece I think people are quite comfortable they might not be thinking about it in those terms but we're used to that kind of I need the ideas and I need to know how but the other the other I which you mentioned right at the beginning that I don't think people give enough thought to is implementation and particularly for these creative folks that I love to work with, like I say, they've got loads of inspiration. They know where to get the information, but they think that with the in implementation that they should just be able to figure that out on their own because they're smart, capable humans. Why would they need to go and get any help with implementing? And I think that's what trips a lot of people up because actually that stuff doesn't always come naturally to people. And if you don't acknowledge that and you don't build that self-awareness around what does work for you and what doesn't work for you, it can stop you from moving forward because without the inspiration, information and implementation, you're not going to make an impact. You'll be stuck in learning mode. Your inspiration will be sitting there up in your head, but not out in the world. You need the implementation for all of this to turn into impact. So that's why I'm so passionate about what I do because I see time and time again, in fact, I've got a few people in Make It Happen Club at the moment I just interviewed them recently because I was opening the doors again and I wanted to get some lovely little testimonial videos. And a few of the people that were in there said, I didn't think I should need this mm. because I have come from a very successful corporate career. I'm a very capable person. I've organized a team. Why do, I don't, didn't think I should need this. And that was keeping them away from getting the help that they needed for a long, long time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes back to what I was saying before about the shame that a lot of people feel around this. And that's when people are reaching for quick fixes and shortcuts and hacks, which just don't work. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I relate very much to that feedback. I think implementation is kind of like an abstract idea in some ways. So we feel like we're supposed to know it's kind of like, oh, why aren't you investing your money? Why aren't you doing it? Because I was never taught because we were never taught especially women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think we think we know how to invest money and save money and, and budget and all those things. Just like we think we know how to implement, especially if it's something we're excited about or, or like really equipped to do, but we don't know what it looks like. And to do it for ourselves is the hardest thing. Totally. Especially when you've got all of these ideas rattling around in your head and they all feel so exciting and they all feel important. And it's like trying to choose your favorite child in picking which one you're going to, you know, commit to and which one you're going to put down. It is hard on your own. 
Yeah. It really is. And there's nothing wrong with you if you find it hard. You know, we all have our own different zone of genius. For me, I'm very left brain. I find that stuff easy. But coming up with creative names for things or coming up with loads of ideas, I'm rubbish. I have to go and get help for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that, you know, so, yeah. Can you share one, like what, if you were going to, and I'm sure it's unique to each person that you work with, but if you could give one maybe implementation tip or some a place to get started, what would you share? Oh God, that's such a good question. Um, and are you going to hate the answer because it feels really wishy-washy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll take but anything. <laughs> take anything. Because I, again, because I don't do hacks. I don't do quick fixes. I don't do right. any of that because I right. know that if I say something, it's not going to be right for everyone. But it all just basically comes back down to that pause. What I was saying earlier about the time in the treehouse. I think if you can take that pause and take it often and then do some really, you know, good that's a really bad word but do some good reflection (laughs) while you're in that pause about reminding yourself where you're trying to get to what's your vision what are your goals how much time have you actually got right now and what is going to make the biggest impact and as I've said that I have thought of something that I think is a good thing for everyone to do which is more of a doing thing that people might like (laughs) to have a play with so there's this thing called the um, high impact challenge where you write down everything that you do in your business. So write literally every single thing down that you've got to do in your business. And then look at that list you've just written through the lens of, if I could only do three of these, what would they be in terms of the impact that they would make? And start to kind of look at the things that make the biggest impact and the things that make the least impact And just doing that can be a really useful way of seeing, okay, this is where I'm wasting my time or this is where I could outsource and delegate because we try and do everything ourselves as well quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can just be a good way of seeing whether you're doing too much Mm, and helping you to get clear on your priorities. Yeah, sometimes it helps just to have it in front of you even to realize how much you are trying to do and how silly it is. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, Uh, totally. And and back to what you said before, it it may sound wishy-washy, but... I think it is completely innovative to say that implementation begins with a pause because that is anti what everybody else will want to do or that we have been programmed to do. So that's it. End of the show. Implementation begins with a pause. We've solved it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Do the pause, do that reflection. And the reflection could be that exercise I've just talked about, or it could just be relooking at your vision and your goals and then make a choice. Mm. Ooh, let's talk real quick about choices because I think that also gets people stuck. They think, oh yeah, just making a decision about anything is so painful for some people. And it can be dinner or it can be what direction do I want to go in my business? And, and it hurts to make decisions sometimes, but there's so much power in it. hundred percent. And I don't know whether you'll relate to this as I'm also a recovering perfectionist. I think the perfectionism is what can get in the way of the decision-making because we are caught up in this idea that there is a right and a wrong. Mm. There is a right choice and a wrong choice. And what if we make the wrong one? What on earth will happen? And actually there's no such thing. (laughs) You've just got to choose one. Um, And there's a really powerful graphic in Greg McEwan's book, Essentialism, which is a really good read for anyone that's interested in anything about what I've been talking about today. He's got this little picture where it's a circle that's got the word energy in it. And then lots of little arrows coming off it. 
but coming off of that circle, maybe a millimeter or two. And then next to it, there's the same circle, same amount of energy and one big long arrow that goes a long way up. And the point of that is that he's demonstrating the difference between trying to put your energy in a lot of different directions mm -hmm. and making a millimeter of progress in a million different directions versus putting that same amount of energy in one direction and how much more impact you can make. And I think it's getting your head around that that can help you to see that I just need to make, I need to make the choice. It doesn't matter what the choice is necessarily. I just need to make it so that I can make that impact. And the other thing I say to my clients who are such creative people that the idea of just doing one thing at a time sometimes sends them into a tailspin. That's not what I'm saying necessarily. That's how I like to work because I get stressed if I'm trying to do more than one thing at a time. But if you know that for you, that would be just so tedious and boring, you can do two or three things at a time. I don't mean at the same time, mm -hmm. like literally, <laughs> because multitasking <laughs> is not a thing. Yeah. But you can be working on a few things simultaneously. That's still better than trying to do all of the things. Mm. Even picking two or three, if your default is to try and do 10. Yeah. That's still progress. Agree. Agree. Okay. So we, we've talked on, we've touched on a lot of these points already, but were there any personal habits or belief systems or outside factors that you had to confront or reprogram on this journey of your own? Yes. <laughs> Period. <laughs> the end. No, I've talked about, talked about some of them already, so I won't repeat what I've already said, but the, a big thing for me was about thinking about productivity differently around you know, the idea of productivity should not be tied up with your sense of self-worth. And for me, it was for a very long time. Um, I decided at a very young age because I was never going to be the popular one, the funny one. You know, I was a very awkward, socially awkward kind of shy child and I didn't have a particularly great time at school. So I made the choice. I was going to be the smart one and I was going to be, you know, the reliable, getting it done, all of that stuff. And that did me a lot of harm so I've had to do a lot of reprogramming around that and I think the biggest thing I want to share around that is that we do not have to earn rest as I said right at the beginning you will never get to the end of your to-do list never and there is no pot of gold waiting for you at the end of your to-do list there's just another thing to do so we need to enjoy the journey. We need to allow ourselves to rest. And I've redefined productivity. And I share this definition whenever I do a talk or anything, workshop, you know, any workshops or anything, because it's so important for me. Productivity isn't about cramming more and more doing into the time that we have. Productivity is about um, doing the important things as efficiently as you can to create space for the life that you want and the life that you love. And the key bit in there is that it's about doing the important things, not doing all of the things. Mm. So that was a big reprogramming I had to do because that was, you know, I had an existential crisis when I was starting my business because this pursuit of productivity had made me ill. Yeah. So how could I in good conscience be starting a business to help people be productive when in my mind that was the end goal? So I had to do a lot of reframing around what productivity means so that I can support people in a healthy way to do that, you know, get the important things done to create space. I like to ask everybody if you could leave one perspective with the audience, what would it be? But I think you just answered it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you don't so need to earn rest. Rest does not make you lazy. 
we know that we know that, but it's so, it's really hard to put into practice. I, I think I can't tell you how many naps I've taken where my mind just will not shut off because it's like, you gotta do, you don't have time for this. Like, and I love naps and I believe in rest, but I still struggle. Yeah. Rest is, rest yeah. is hard to implement. It is. And I'm not, ugh, I hope that the guilt goes away I still feel guilty about it sometimes and I know this stuff inside out and I've been living this way for a long time now but you just have to do it anyway mm. knowing that it's right and it's good for you and it's good for us on so many levels just yeah. do it anyway take that time in the treehouse hmm. I'm going back to the treehouse tonight oh I'm going to that treehouse <laughs> okay Louise share anything that you're working on right now and how everybody can connect with you Okay, so if you are feeling a bit frantic and a bit frazzled, I have got a resource that will actually give you some time in the treehouse. So it's a five step intervention that will help you to get out of overwhelm, remember what's most important, and then take action on the things that will be most impactful for you and for your business. So you can grab a copy of that at bettylooonline.com slash intervention. Um, I've also got a podcast called Unfrazzle, as you mentioned at the beginning, Lindsay. All the episodes for that are under 10 minutes. So it's really great to listen to whilst you're making a cuppa. And I love hanging out on LinkedIn. So if you're over there, come say hello. Wonderful. We will link all of those resources and all of your social in the show notes. Thank you so much for this enlightening conversation. It couldn't come at a better time. I only wish it was earlier in the month, but it's still early in the year and so many people will benefit from this. Oh, thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's been fun. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Reprogramming. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love if you shared this episode with your network and tagged me at ReprogrammingPod or at the Lindsay Hyatt on Instagram. If any episode has impacted you, it would mean the world if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform. For more information on how to work together or to learn more about my signature program, Superfecta, visit lindsayhyatt.com or lindsayhyatt.co. See you next time.